بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده ونسلی علی رسول الکریم ام بابا الحمدللہ today is the 7th of May in the year 2023 and alhamdulillah we moved on to the 14th session that we're going through the commentary of the blessed surah al-hajj and i've reached verse 35 so inshallah today going through up to and including verse 37 so verse 35 To those whose hearts, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioned, are filled with fear, who show patient perseverance over their afflictions, establish the salah, and spend out of what we have bestowed upon them. So now this is explained from the end of the previous verse. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says at the end of verse 34, وَبَشِّرِ الْمُخْبِتِينَ Glad tidings to those who are mukhbitin. And I mentioned last week, these are those who find contentment with their iman and they submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what are the signs of that? A person obviously is going to say, I've submitted, I'm content. Verse 35 gives you the signs. When Allah is mentioned, the hearts are moved with fear. They are patient over afflictions. They are regular in salah and they spend out of what we have given them. So these are, these are the signs that you are amongst the mukhbitin. Verse 36. The sacrificial camels we have made for you as amongst the symbols from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In them is much good for you. Then pronounce the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over them as they stand. When they are lying down on their sides, eat you thereof and feed such as live in contentment and such as beg with humility. Thus have we made animals subject to you that you may be grateful. So now if you look at this verse, at the beginning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالْبُدْنَا So in Ibn Abi Shayba, in Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Mujahid Rahmatullah said, Al-Buddin means camels. So the translation is correct here. The sacrificial camels. Al-Buddna, the sacrificial camels. And also in Sayyid Muslim and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Jabr radiyallahu relates that our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he asked us to share in the offering, the sacrifice. A buddhan for seven people and one cow for seven people. So the Prophet ﷺ explained that a buddhan, a camel, is to be shared among seven. And a cow also is a shared among seven. So now if you look at the middle of the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَذْكُرُ اسْمَ اللَّهِ عَلِيْهَ صَوَافِ Pronounce the name of Allah over them as they stand. So what does this mean? So, the report is in Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he explained, فَذْكُرُ اسْمَ اللَّهِ عَلِيْهَ صَوَافِ Mention the name of Allah over them when they are drawn up in lines. He explained, when they are standing on three legs, with the left foreleg tied up, 
He says, Bismillah, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah, Allahumma minka walaq. In the name of Allah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is great. There is no God but Allah. O oh Allah from you and to you. So Ibn Abbas explained that they are to be sacrificed when they are standing. And the left foreleg is tied. And also there is a hadith in Sayyid Bukhari, number 1713, Sayyid Muslim. Abdullah Ibn Umar, he came to a man who had made his camel kneel down in order to sacrifice. He said, stand it up, fettered. This is the sunnah of Abu Qasim. So somebody made a mistake. He made the camel kneel and he's going to slaughter. He goes, make it stand and fetter it. This is the sunnah of the Prophet. Then the verse says, Then when they are down on their sides, Mujahid explained, this means when they have fallen to the ground. This is in Ibn Jadir, Ibn Katir's tafsir. And many of the Salaf said the same. Abdul Rahman ibn Zayd ibn Aslam said, when they are down on their sides means when they have died. This is in Ibn Jadir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir. So Allah Ta'ala is saying in this verse, slaughter them standing. And when they are on the floor, i.e. the soul has left the body, then he goes, you can then partake of the meat as they say. This Ibn Kathir said was what was meant by the comment of Ibn Abbas and Mujahid. For it is not permitted to eat from the sacrifice when it has been slaughtered until it has died and its movements have ceased. So if you start cutting the body and the body is still moving, it is forbidden. In fact, in one hadith, the hadith is in Behaki 9-278, Umar radiallahu said, La tu'ajjilun nufusa an tazahaqa. Do not rush until you are sure that the animal is dead. Do not rush until you are sure that the animal is dead. And also, a fawli relates in his jami that Umar said this and he supported it with the hadith of Shaddad ibn Aus in Sayyid Muslim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prescribed proficiency in all things. If you kill, kill well. And if you slaughter, slaughter well. Let each one of you sharpen his blade and let him spare suffering to the animal he slaughters. So now what's the word used in the hadith? Inna allaha katabal ihsan. Allah has prescribed proficiency in all things. If you kill, kill with excellence. Meaning the most noble way to slaughter. So we're not, you know, butchers as they say. We do it in the most noblest of ways. And also, in Abu Dawood Tirmidhi said Sahih, Imam Ahmad Musnad Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Abu Waqid al-Layti radiyallahu said that Rasulullah said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Ma quti'a min al-bahimati wa hiya hiyyatan fahuwa mayta Whatever is cut from an animal whilst it is still alive is mayta, dead flesh. So if you dare cut a piece of the animal and there's still the soul within it, that is becomes haram. If it is still alive, meaning you have to be very careful, wait until the animal stops moving. And then, of course, the animal becomes lawful to you. And all of this can be reduced from this i.e. verse. And also, if you look at the verse, Allah Ta'ala then says, Give to those who are content and to those who beg in humility. So now, 
how do you should you share the camel or should you share the cow? So Ibn Al Kamalahmatullah he said this is in Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al Musannaf eight one four five. Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud he sent this hadith with me and commanded me when I sacrificed it to give one third of sadaqah, to eat one third, and to send the other third to the family of his brother Utba. So the great Ibn Mas'ud he would his sacrifice, his qurbani, he would tell his student Al-Qama that distribute in thirds. One third sacrifice, one third sadaqah, and one third give it to my brother, his family, Utbah, who passed away. Utbah ibn Mas'ud. So this is something which is recommended I to do with the sacrifice. You shouldn't take all the sacrifice yourself and fridge your fill up. What's the point of that? You know, that's like you might as well buy meat from the shop. Where's the sacrifice? The whole point of the Qurbani is sacrifice. Not eat chops, you know, for 10 weeks. Astaghfirullah. <coughs> and also, if you look at the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, فَكُلُوا مِنْهَا وَأَطْعِمُوا الْقَانِعَ وَالْمُؤْتَرَ So now these two words He uses, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Eat and feed the qani and feed the mu'tar. So what are these two words? Allah Ta'ala says eat, meaning eat yourself, and then feed the qani and the mu'tar. So let me give you the reports. So Ibn Abbas, I said in Ibn Jarir, Ibn Katir, Tafsir, qani is the one who is content with what he is given. He stays in his dwelling, meaning he doesn't go around begging. He's happy, but you must find him. And the mu'tar is the one who comes to you rub shoulders with you so that you will give him some meat but he does not ask for it so look at the beautiful difference one is as he's stronger than his iman he's not actually telling people that he's needy Allah Ta'ala goes give him and there's another one who doesn't ask but he's rubbing shoulders that is the mu'ta he goes give it to him as well in another report in Ibn Jarir Ibn Katir's tafsir Ibn Abbas said Qani is the one who is too proud to ask, meaning he's got izza. It's not a negative pride. He, he, he goes, I, I'm not going to ask. And Mu'tar is the one who asks. This was the view of Qatar, Ibrahim, and Nakhai Mujahid, according to one report in Ibn Jarir, Ibn Katir's tafsir. And the opposite is also suggested. So let's put this simply. What, who is the Qani? The Qani are two. He is content, he is happy in his poverty. Or he is too dignified to ask. So when Allah Ta'ala says, فَكُلُوا مِنْهَا وَأَطْعِمُوا الْقَانِ Eat yourself, feed the qani. Find those people. Then he says, وَالْمُؤْتَرِ That means two. He mixes but he doesn't ask. Or he actually does ask eventually. Because give it to him as well. Then Ibn Kathir Rahmatullah he said, This verse has been quoted as evidence by scholars who said that the sacrifice should be divided into three. A third for the one who offers the sacrifice to eat, a third to be given as gift to his friends, and a third to be given in charity to the poor. Because Allah Ta'ala says this. But then Ibn Kathir said, There is no evidence in this verse for this view. However, I've just quoted the hadith. Abdullah ibn Masood did that. So Ibn Kathir must not have known that report. So this shows the scholars some things do 
sometimes escape them. Ibn Masood told his student, one third for yourself, one third in Sadaqah, one third for my brother's family. So Ibn Katir said, there's no proof in this verse. But didn't Ibn Masood know that? So then he calls a hadith. This is in Sahih. It's in Nasai. The Prophet said, I used to forbid you to keep the meat of the sacrifice for more than three days. But now eat from it. And keep it as you see fit. So what did the Prophet say? You have to explain this. I used to forbid you to keep the meat of sacrifice for three days. So imagine that was still applicable. You had to get rid of the meat in three days. So why was that? Because it was a time of need. People were needy. But then the Prophet said, Now eat from it, meaning you're allowed to eat. And keep it as you see fit. Meaning that the obligation of sharing isn't there anymore. But as you see fit could mean with understanding you should give. And also in another hadith in Nasai, Eat some, keep some, give some in charity. Eat some, keep some, and give some in charity. And in another report in Sayyid Bukhari, Eat some, feed others, and give some in charity. What about the skin? As for the animal skins, in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, the report says, Eat and give in charity. Make use of the skins, but do not sell them. Eat and give in charity. Make use of the skins. Do not sell them. Meaning, don't make any profit out of it. The skin can be used, but don't sell the skin. I like they do make shoes and clothing and things. Because don't do any of that with the sacrifice. He goes, but use it. You can eat it. There's no problem. So if you look at the verse now, it will make sense. Let's read it again, verse 36. The sacrificial camels we have made for you as amongst the signs from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In them is much good for you. Pronounce the name of Allah over them as they stand. When they are down on their sides, eat thereof. Feed the qani and the mu'tar. Thus have we made animals subject to you that you may be grateful. So now, what's interesting, no approval is given to arrogant and insolent begging. Notice, Allah Ta'ala talks about the people who are destitute, but does he mention those who are fake or those who are arrogant when they beg? He doesn't mention them. Though the relief of distress of all kinds, deserved and undeserved, is included in charity. So even question, a person goes, well, I didn't give it to them. I gave it to a person who wanted, you know, he's, he's looking for it. Maybe he's not even deserving. So the scholars say, it's accepted. However, you should have looked for the ones that Allah Ta'ala is telling you to look for. But those who beg with humility and those who receive gifts with gratitude and contentment are mentioned for special attention. So this is the problem. If you send it back home, you're relying upon somebody else. How do you know it's going to those people? And if you're living in a, you know, a well, you know, a person where a place where destitution isn't common is even more difficult. So the response to this is you need to go to people you trust, the ones who know certain localities, and then you give it. Unfortunately, you just give it to the first charitable organization. I've done my kurbani. We done kurbani with with ummah welfare, mashallah, right? 
So again, note, Quran is mentioning things that we just oblivious to it. Astaghfirullah. And don't you want the most from your sacrifice? You know, that's what the whole point is. I'm given, I want a maximum return. Now what's interesting, is it only for the Hajjis? So verse 37, it is not their meat nor their blood that reaches Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is your taqwa that reaches Him. He has thus made them subject to you that you may glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for His guidance to you and proclaim the good news to those with excellence. So Allah Ta'ala makes something very clear here, which the Christians don't understand to this day. He doesn't need blood. He doesn't need meat. What do Christians say? It's all about the blood. Somebody has to be sacrificed for God to forgive. But the sacrifice has to stop. He doesn't need blood. Because where does it say that? We're not bothered about the Bible, right? Verse 37. It is not their meat nor their blood that reaches Allah. It is your taqwa, meaning it's your spirit behind the sacrifice. That's what reaches him. And he goes, he has made them subject to you that you may glorify Allah. He's given you the animals. Why is that important to highlight? Because some people think this is cruelty to animals. Who is the owner of animals? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does Allah say in the Quran? He subjected them to you. He's given them to you so you can sacrifice. So we don't look at their mindset. Allah is telling us what to do. And where's the proof? There's actually a very interesting hadith in Sayyid Muslim where the Prophet during the farewell hajj was sacrificing. And the camels, they were competing to be the first to be sacrificed. So imagine they were pull, pulling back thinking what the, what's happening is mass slaughter. They were trying to be the first to go to the Prophet Why? Because they knew this is what we created. If you could speak to the animals, they would know this is what we created. But can they speak to animals? No. And yet the way they talk as if they have given a full, you know, conversation with them. You know, you, we, we understand you don't want to be sacrificed, but these are barbaric Muslims. Where, do, where did you get that from? Have you talked to them? Astaghfirullah. So no, the Quran is telling you all these things. Don't worry about these satanic whispers. So now, is it only for the Hajj? Because this is Surah Hajj. So there's a few things mentioned. So those who say it's wajib, first of all, it's for everybody. Anybody who's got uh, and the nisab, he has to offer the sacrifice, is wajib. Which imam says it's wajib? Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, and Imam Abu Imam Muhammad, Imam Abu Yusuf. So three of the imams, or four of the imams. Why do they say it's wajib? To give you a few proofs. Rasulullah did not allow people to come for the Eid prayer if they didn't sacrifice. In Ibn Majah, Ahmed and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi states Sahih. In Sahih Ibn Majah number 2533, Abu Huraira the Prophet He who has the capacity and does not sacrifice, he may not approach our musalla. Without the threat, the Prophet said, don't bother coming for Eid prayer if you're not going to offer a sacrifice. So what does that indicate? Is it optional to sacrifice? Or is it obligatory? Eid prayer is wajib. So if the Prophet goes, don't come for the wajib prayer, what's he actually telling you about the sacrifice? So this is one proof. Imam Shawkani said in Nail al-Autar, prohibiting the one who could afford to sacrifice but did not do so. From approaching the musalla indicates he must have left a wajib. 
as it becomes useless to offer salat without this wajib. Second report. In Sayyid Muslim, Jundum ibn Abdullah al-Bujali relates, I witnessed the sacrifice with Rasulullah. As soon as he completed his prayer, his Eid prayer, he noticed some sacrifices had already been slaughtered before the prayer. He said, for those who have slaughtered their sacrifices before the Salat, slaughter other ones instead. And those who have not yet slaughtered, let them now do so in the name of Allah. So what happened? The sacrifice has to be done after the Eid prayer. Somebody innocently did it before. Did the Prophet say it's fine? No. Because you're going to have to do it again. After the prayer. This command indicates it's wajib to sacrifice. Otherwise the Prophet would have said, it's alright. May Allah accept it. He didn't say that. Also a third hadith. In Ahmad, and Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani in Fattal Bari 10-4 states Hassan, the Prophet said, every household is required to offer a sacrifice every year. Every household is required to offer a sacrifice every year. So this is the Hanafi, Maliki and two students of Imam Abu Hanifa's verdict is wajib. So can there be a difference of opinion? Who said there's a difference of opinion? Two other Imams. Imam Shafi and Imam Ahmad Rahimahumullah, they say it is a stress sunnah, meaning you should do it, but it's not obligatory. Why did they say that? Because in Behaki, and Shaykh al-Bari authenticates it in the Wa'ul Ghalil 4-344, it mentions that Abu Bakr and Umar radiyallahu did not consider it wajib. Abu Bakr and Umar radiyallahu did not consider it wajib. Now why is that very important to highlight? Because the Prophet said, if your two agree upon something, I will not disagree. What did they agree upon? It's not wajib. So if the Prophet was still with the shaykhs, it's not wajib. So Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmad said, how can it be wajib? When the two shaykhs said it's not wajib. And also, there's another hadith which they use. In Abu Dawood Ahmad, and Shaykh al-Bani authenticates it in Idwa al-Ghalil number 1138, Jabir relates, after the khutbah, Rasulullah sacrificed a ram with his own blessed hand and he said, Bismillahi wallahu akbar. This is for me. And for those of my ummah who did not sacrifice. So Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmad said, Rasulullah was covering for people. Those who didn't offer sacrifice. So who are these? those who didn't want to sacrifice? So Rasulullah goes, I don't want to deprive them. I want them to also get the reward of the sacrifice. Some scholars respond to this. They goes, no. Rasulullah was highlighting those who didn't have the means to sacrifice. So this is why there's a difference of opinion. Don't argue over it. Like some people do. Oh, you don't know hadith. Well, where did you come from? Didn't Abu Bakr and Umar know hadith? Next minute. Hey. Well, there you go. This is why the imams have differed. Whatever the case, they all say you should sacrifice. So now, also when you sacrifice, you don't cut your hair or your nails. Why? In Sayyid Muslim, the one who plans to sacrifice is not to cut his hair or nails. From the first of Zulhijjah until the sacrifice. Our mother Um Salama relates that the Prophet said, For the one who has a slaughtering to perform on Eid, then once the Hilal, the crescent of Zulhijjah is observed, let him not cut any of his hair or nails until he sacrifices. So when the blessed 10 days start, that's it. Are you sacrificing? Yes. No cutting the hair, no cutting the nails until after the sacrifice. Now why is this disastrous? 
because people have haircuts on Eid. <laughs> and when did they do it? Before the sacrifice. If you look at people, you will notice that they are actually quite rough on the day of Eid. They know what they're doing. Why? Because you don't cut your hair, you don't cut your nails. If something's happened, you've disobeyed the command of the Prophet In another hadith in Sayyid Muslim, once the 10 days start, for those of you who have the intention to sacrifice, let them not cut any of their hair or nails. Why? Because you are emulating the hajis. Once you are in ihram, what is forbidden for you to do? Cut your hair, trim your nails. So Allah in His kindness has allowed you to share that with them. Because you are emulating, they're sacrificing, you're sacrificing. You don't cut your, they don't cut their hair, you don't cut your hair. They don't trim their nails, you don't trim your nails. It's to emulate the guests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is the time for sacrifice? The time extends through the days of Tashriq until the sunset of the third day, after Eid al-Adha. In Imam Ahmad's Musnad, Ibn Hiban, Shaykh al-Bani states, Sahih li ghayri in As-Sahihah, number 2476, Jubair ibn Mut'im, who that the Prophet said, all the days of Tashriq are slaughtering this. All the days of Tashriq are slaughtering this. So what are the days of Tashriq? The 10th, the day of Eid, 11, 12, and 13, four days. So if Eid is on Monday, you can still slaughter on Tuesday. You can still slaughter on Wednesday. You can still slaughter on Thursday until Maghrib. Why is that important? Because some people panic. He says, oh, I didn't offer a sacrifice. Eid's finished. And he says, what do you mean Eid's finished? Right? And he goes, well, Eid was yesterday. Go to the butchers, get a sacrifice. It's already finished. You've got three days. The days of sacrifice. Because the, the, hajj, the hajj is still continuing. So this is the time period, which is important to highlight. Can you offer a goat? So now a camel is for seven people. What does that mean? Seven households need to offer the sacrifice. One camel is enough. One uh, cow is enough. But some of the said a goat as well is enough for seven. A goat. This is Hadith in Tirmidhi ibn Majah. It's authentic in Irba ul Ghalil number 1142. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari was asked about sacrifices during the time of the Prophet. <coughs> he said, During the time of the Prophet, one man used to sacrifice a goat for himself and his household. They used to eat and feed other people. Later on, people started boasting in their sacrifices, as you now see. So Abu Ayyub said, One goat was enough for a household. But then people start bragging. They start saying, no, well, you've got to go, I'm going to do a cow. I'm going to do two cows. So some ulama look at this hadith. They go, a go is sufficient. However, most scholars say no. Because the Quran mentions Buddha. You can't go through a, you know, a hadith which is authentic against the mutawatir verse of the Quran. Allah doesn't mention goats. Do you ever see goats being sacrificed in the Hajj? Right? It's always cows and camels. God may be for one person. However, generally they do the, the larger scale. So this is also important. What about the defects? In Nasai Abu Dawud Tirmidhi ibn Majah, Sahih in Irwa Ul-Gharil, number 1148, Bara ibn Azib, the Prophet said, four animals are not allowed for sacrifice. That which is one-eyed, that which is sick, ill, that which is limping, and that which is very thin, so that it does not have marrow in its bones. So there's actually some conditions. You can't just get a smashed up cow or a camel. It has to not have, both eyes are fine. It's, it must not be ill. 
It must not limp and it must not be thin that you can you know, see that the bone marrow is even functioning. Also, Ali radiallahu alayhi that the Prophet sallam, did not allow sacrificing an animal whose ear was cut from the front or back or the center. This is in Ahmad, graded Hassan by Sheikh Al Halabi. What about castrated animals? In Ahmad, authentic in Irwa Ul Ghalid, number 1147, Abu Rafi radiallahu that the Rasulullah sacrificed two white castrated rams. Rasulullah sacrificed two white castrated rams. So you can sacrifice castrated uh, uh, rams. What's the best color for the sacrifice? White. Abu Huraira the Prophet said, The blood of an unclear white goat is more beloved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than that of two black ones. This is in Ahmad Hakim, Shaykh al Bani Ahmadullah states Sahih in As Sahih number 1861. So, white, a white goat is better than two black goats. So, look for the white ones. This is more beloved. Why? Because the ram that came down for Ibrahim was white, obviously, from paradise. And one last thing, selling the sacrifice. Can you sell any, any of the sacrifices to make a business obvious? It is not allowed to sell any part of the sacrificial animals. Abu Hurairah relates that the Prophet said, He who sells the hide of his sacrifice has no sacrifice. This is in Hakim, Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah states Sahih in Sahih al-Jan, number 6,118. If you sell any of the hide of the sacrifice, you've lost the sacrifice. It's a business now. Even the butcher who cleans and cuts may not take any of it as his pay. Like some people do. Because you sacrifice, you can take the skin and one chop. <laughs> right? No, you can't. Then you must pay the, the butcher. The hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim. Ali radiallahu said, Rasulullah ordered me to sacrifice his camels. And to give away a sadaqah they meet, hide and entrails, and not to give the butcher any of it, saying, we shall pay him from ourselves. So you can't give, like, you know, some, I don't know what, some butchers even take the skin themselves. Oh, hang on a minute. You have to ask them, where's the, where's the kidneys? Right? He goes, oh, you don't, you don't want them there? Of course I want them. And then you find out they've got a you know, biryani waiting for them. Hang on a minute. I want everything back. I'm paying you for the sacrifice. So again, this is also important. If they do it, then of course, if you don't know, inshallah, you'll be forgiven. But if you know and you proceed, that might have destroyed your sacrifice. How many of you are aware of that? So now, what's interesting, the Jews and the Christians, they say that Ibrahim is their great prophet. And we say he's one of the great prophets. They say they follow Ibrahim. The Jews profess that and the Christians profess that. No problem. Tell us about the sacrifice. That was one of the more, most momentous things that he did. He was going to sacrifice his son. You go to the Jews, how do you remember it? We talk about it. Good for you, man. You go to the Christians. Our whole religion is based upon he was a mini Christ. Absolute bakwas. Right? You go to the Muslims. What do you do about it? We sacrifice. What do you sacrifice? We sacrifice every year. It's not once in a lifetime. Every year we remember that sacrifice. And we sacrificed according to our ability, whatever we can. A camel, uh, a cow for seven, or a goat, or a sheep for one. And we do it and we don't take anything from it. We, we are encouraged to give to others. So who are really following 
the path of Ibrahim, Then you say Hajj. Hajj is a pillar of Islam. What did the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam say? Oh Umar radiyallahu. Whoever does not perform Hajj and has the ability to perform it, it doesn't matter whether he dies as a Jew or Christian, because you might as well be buried with a Jew. Now, what's interesting about that report? What did the Hadith say? Without Hajj, you're not really a Muslim. What are you? You're one of those fake ones who say, we believe like the Jews and we follow Ibrahim. No, you don't. You didn't do Hajj. So you don't follow it. So the Prophet goes, you're a Jew or Christian. They who profess to say that they love Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam. So this is why Hajj is a farad. Why? Because we have to do Hajj. We follow Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam. Do not chief. Who do we remember? Allah Ibrahim wa Allah Ali Ibrahim. In Amr Ramzi we say that. We're remembering him all the time. Alayhi salatu wasalam. So note, and to crown it off Surah Hajj, Allah Ta'ala has revealed a surah in honor of that, of that pillar. He's not revealed any other surah honoring it with a title for the pillar of Islam. There's no surah Ramadan. Right? There's no surah Zakat. There's no surah Salah. There's no surah Tawheed. There's only one surah, surah Hajj. How else is he honored it? He's put two prostrations in this surah. No other surah has two prostrations. So what is that telling you about Hajj? It's not a joke, right? You know, you have to treat it very seriously. And this is why Allah Ta'ala is telling you in detail. But having said all that, what does he say here? And just to add this, I should have mentioned. The hadith is in Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Kathir, Tafsir. Ibn Juraj, Rahmatullah, they said, the people of Jahiliyyah used to put the meat of their sacrifices and then sprinkle the blood on the Kaaba. And the companions of Rasulullah said, we have more right to do it. Those Allah Ta'ala revealed, it is not their meat nor their blood that reaches Allah. It is your taqwa that reaches him. So look how strange. This was a strange ritual of the Jahiliya Arabs. They slaughter and they get the blood put on the Kaaba. As if Allah Ta'ala needs your blood. So the Sahaba thought, we should do that. Because no, Allah Ta'ala goes, it's not the blood, it's not the me, it's your sacrifice, the, Allah, the taqwa in your hearts that reaches Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what does he say at the end of the verse? He has made them subject to you that you may glorify Allah for his guidance to you and proclaim the good news to the muhsineen, to those with excellence. So notice Allah Ta'ala doesn't say Muslim. Mu'min, he goes, those with, meaning those who've understanding will understand what's happening here. And what's interesting, just without making it too long-winded, if you look at the sacrifices, one of the arguments that these fruitcakes have is, you are slaughtering so many animals, it's going to cause havoc. But what did they discover? In the history, when animals were being sacrificed, they increased. There were more camels. So the more you sacrifice, Allah Ta'ala gave them more, more goats. Now when the sacrifices are dwindling, those animals are reducing now. So what's Allah Ta'ala teaching you? You want to use logic? There's your logic. Logically, there should be less camels because you slaughtered millions of them. You slaughtered millions of them. And yet there's more. But once you stop doing it, you think you'll have more now. It's getting less. So Allah Ta'ala is telling you something here. There's a sign from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And of course, there's famous reports. For each hair, you get a good deed. The first drop of blood, all your sins are forgiven. You will go over the bridge of Salat very quickly due to the sacrifice that you've offered. And it goes on and on. So all of this is something very honorable that Allah Ta'ala has given to us graciously every year. And we should look forward to it, not mourn like some people do. Oh no, another sacrifice coming up. Astaghfirullah. So Allah Ta'ala, 
ينفقون ولاکی الحمد للہ